The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. You're listening to the VPM Daily Newscast, the recap of today's top stories in Central Virginia. From the VPM Newsroom in Richmond, I'm Benjamin Dolly. Queen Elizabeth II, who died yesterday at the age of 96, visited the Commonwealth several times during her reign. She traveled to Jamestown in 1957 to mark the 350th anniversary of its founding. And in 2007, the Queen addressed members of the General Assembly. She tied together the two visits during her 10-minute speech. But 50 years on, we are now in a position to reflect more candidly on the Jamestown legacy. Human progress rarely comes without cost. And those early years in Jamestown, when three great civilizations came together for the first time, Western European, Native American, and African, released a train of events which continues to have a profound social impact, not only in the United States, but also in the United Kingdom and Europe. Senator Tim Kaine was the governor at the time of the Queen's last visit to the Commonwealth. In a statement, he said that, quote, her kindness and grace will be missed in the United Kingdom, in Virginia, and across the world. It's been a year since crews removed the Robert E. Lee Monument in Richmond. Now plans are in the works to reopen the site. Jad Khalil reports on an unexpected speed bump. Some members of Richmond's Urban Design Committee gathered Thursday to consider a plan to temporarily fill Lee Circle with mulch pathways, plants, and trees. Committee member Todd Woodson likes the plan, mostly. You know, I would like to see some benches there. I would like to see some seating so people can sit. You know, there really isn't any in the, in the plan that I could see. How people would be able to gather there is a key question. The circle became the focal point of racial justice protests in 2020, until the state fenced it in. Beth Meyer is a professor at the University of Virginia. She studies landscaping and public space. So gathering and lingering in public isn't just I'm tired as I'm walking from A to B. It's also a place where your identity is witnessed and uh, where you claim your, your place in a community. Although a member's emergency meant the Urban Design Committee didn't have a quorum to meet and vote on the plan, it may still move forward to the Planning Commission later this month. Jada Khalil, VPM News. VPM News would like to issue a correction. A previous version of this story misstated who had final say on the project. It has since been updated. A Petersburg assisted living facility is facing the loss of its license. An investigation by 8 News found Fillmore Place residents living in unsanitary conditions. The facility has been operating on a provisional license since last December. Now the Virginia Department of Social Services says it intends to deny Fillmore Place's license renewal. If that happens, residents will have to be relocated. The facility has until next week to appeal the decision. Virginia Beach is putting a million dollars into a nonprofit's plan to build 38 new affordable apartments. That's an accomplishment for an organization that doesn't typically deal in development, but it's only a small fraction of how much affordable housing Virginia Beach actually needs. Michelle Hankerson from partner station WHRO reports. 
When it comes to affordable housing, Virginia Beach leaders say they have limited options for providing more. You gotta have land or money. And I suspect the city has to do both. And I don't know what the council as a whole is willing to give up. That's city council member John Moss. He was among several elected officials recently celebrating the Judeo-Christian Outreach Center's plan for a new campus with apartments. The JCOC provides housing and food assistance for people who need it. Demand for both has grown, especially recently, as rents get more expensive. Researchers estimated in 2017, Virginia Beach needed about 20,000 affordable housing units to match the need in the city. Mayor Bobby Dyer was a city council member at the time. But we realize that it is an essential need in the city. You know, believe it or not, this is high on the radar. City documents estimate about 120 affordable homes in the city were created or preserved in the last three years. That was Michelle Hankerson reporting. Lawmakers in Virginia's divided General Assembly left Richmond on Wednesday without acting on a key appointment. Senate Democrats and House Republicans have spent months trying to agree on a third judge to serve on the State Corporation Commission. The SCC regulates utilities, including Dominion Energy, and could play an important role in overseeing a new offshore wind farm. The stalemate could allow Governor Glenn Youngkin to temporarily appoint someone to the post, but some Democrats have questioned whether he has that authority. A spokesperson for Yunkin declined to comment on the governor's plans. Some cities across the country are coming up with creative ways to get kids to school amid a severe bus driver shortage. Charlottesville's solution? Walking school buses. As Megan Pauley reports, teachers are meeting some kids where they live to walk with them to school. Okay, my blue bus friends, are we ready? Elementary school teacher Michael Ann Sizemore wears a bright yellow safety vest and carries a clipboard to mark off the names of students on her walking bus. All right, here go, Frank. Can I put this on here? It says blue. Sizemore puts stickers on the hands of three little kids to indicate they're on the blue bus. She holds up a clear umbrella, and they set out single file on the three-quarter mile walk to school. Walking school buses usually include two teachers, one at the front and one at the back. This small group only has one adult, so I tag along as the caboose. And look at my backpack. Oh, Paw Patrol. I walk next to six-year-old Julian Mickey, who was very excited about his backpack. It's the first day of school, and there's plenty along the way to keep us entertained, including a high-five from a construction worker, plastic flamingos in someone's yard, and spider webs in the shrubbery. Yeah, lots of spider webs. You gotta be careful. Julian is among hundreds of Charlottesville students from preschool through high school who no longer have bus service. The resuming of in-person instruction after the pandemic, that's when things really shifted here. That's Kim Powell, chief operations officer for Charlottesville City Schools. She says the district lost a significant number of drivers this past school year. A lot of times people would choose driving a school bus as a something to do in retirement. And with the pandemic, a lot of retirees reconsidered if that was the best type of work for them to be doing. The same dynamic has played out across the country. That's according to Kurt Mackison. He's executive director of the National School Transportation Association. And he says filling these vacancies takes time. It's not like you can take somebody from a hiring event, put them through a couple weeks of or even a couple days of training and get them on the road. This past school year, when Charlottesville found itself with just a handful of drivers for around 4,500 kids, school officials knew they had to do something different. That's when they implemented the walking school buses. Right now, there are seven of them. All right, 
little narrow. Go in front of me. All right, stay on the sidewalk. Back on the blue bus, the walkers turn a corner and trudge up a small hill. I cannot get up there. At the top is a crossing guard. The district has been working with the city to hire more of them to get more walkers to school safely. They're also working together to make the streets safer, including widening those sidewalks. Good morning. The crossing guard wishes kids a happy first day as they near the school. I hope y'all have a great day at school. See you tomorrow. But those changes aren't enough for some parents to feel comfortable with their kids joining the walking bus. Mosita Thomas has a five and nine-year-old. You never know how a kid mind works. And then you try to keep them in one straight line and then they can see something and run off like, no, I don't think it's safe for my kids. But some people is okay with it. Some people, like Shaquille Stinney, she plans to have her six-year-old daughter take the walking bus. Yeah. It's going to be okay for like the first two weeks, and after that it's going to be winding my legs, my legs, my legs. <laughs> District leaders say these walking buses are here to stay in Charlottesville, though that doesn't mean they've ruled out other strategies. Some districts in other states are even paying parents to take their kids to school. Megan Pauley, VPM News. Some of these stories were produced with assistance from the Public Media Journalists Association Editor Corps, funded by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. This has been the VPM Daily Newscast. Some of these stories may have changed since the newscast was recorded. You can stay connected to what matters by heading to vpm.org slash news or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyVPM. VPM. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR.